Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Glory to God, I'm, I'm ready to preach. Before I do that, if you haven't shared this, uh, this live stream yet, I want you to do so right now, and I'm going to challenge you, don't just share it without saying anything. I want you to, in the caption, I want you to say, you need to hear this, and then share it. And so hopefully someone on your feed will see that and be like, okay, let me stop and, 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 and let me give it a listen, because there's a word from God this morning that I believe that he wants to preach to his people, to his church. And uh, before we get there, I want to open up with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you, my God, for today. We thank you, my God, because you woke us up, Lord. You gave us a brand new day, Father God, a brand new opportunity, Father God, to, to, to please you and to honor you with our lives, Father God. We thank you for that, Lord. Now, as we are about to Get into your word, my God. I pray that you open up our minds, you open up our hearts, my God, to receive whatever it is that you have for us. In Jesus' name, amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, I'm going to ask that you turn with me to the book of 1 Kings, chapter 19. 1 Kings 19, 1 through 5. Pastor Maritza brought a word this morning in our Spanish service. If you understand Spanish, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to it. Um, it was on, on hope. And I know that there's some people that are in need of hope, and that was a message that in many ways complements this one. So I know that God is, is speaking. First Kings 19, 1 through 5. And it says, Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so may the gods do to me and more also, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by this time tomorrow. Then he was afraid and he arose and he ran for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongs to Judah and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a broom tree. And he had asked that he might die saying, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life for I am no better than my father's. And he lay down and he slept under a broom tree. Amen. The title of today's message is Headspace. Headspace. And you know, one of the issues that I feel like doesn't get talked enough at church is the issue of, of mental health, mental illness, mental stress, anxiety, self-doubt, depression. Those are real issues that exist even inside the church. And many times these issues come, you know, unbeknownst to, to us when we hear of someone who is suffering with thoughts of, of suicide or thoughts of anxiety or self-worth or, or, or depression. Um, in fact, last, last week, someone told me that she had a dream about one of our young people in our church. She didn't, she didn't say who, I don't, I don't know if there was anyone in particular, but she said that there was a young person in our church who was dealing with depression and, and, uh, and ish, thoughts of, of suicide. And she just told it to me, you know, she just kind of left it there. And, you know, obviously, um, naturally, whether this was strictly a dream 
or it was something more than that. I felt it necessary to, to just be aware and alert. And I, I would encourage you to do that as well. I would encourage you just to check on, on your kids, check on each other, on your family members. Just say, hey, how are you doing? Sometimes people feel like no one has asked them that question in a long time. And they begin to feel and hear the lies of the enemy saying, no one cares about you. So just a simple text message saying, hey, how are you doing? Could mean the world to, some, to, to somebody. Because this isn't something, church, that doesn't happen often, right? We, we, we hear all the time about, you know, suicides among pastors. We, we hear about suicides among believers, among young people. And, you know, I as a pastor, you know, I'm, not, I'm not qualified to, to counsel anyone suffering with these, you know, deep-rooted issues I can talk to. I can, I can bring word to you. Uh, I always recommend, you know, going to see a, a Christian licensed counselor who specializes in these issues, but perhaps we can talk about, uh, what we can do before getting to that dark place. That's what we can do. What can we do before those negative thoughts start to plague our minds? Uh, it begins with our headspace. Where's your head at? What are you thinking about? What are you consuming? When we read the story of Elijah, we first read of a man who seems to be, you know, he's strong, he's bold, he's fearless. He, he was called to, uh, by God to speak against the wickedness and the sinfulness of Israel. Uh, he was called to speak out against the wicked king Ahab and queen Jezebel in 1 Kings uh, chapter 18, it's the first time that, that King Ahab meets Elijah and, and, and he tells him, he says, oh, is this you, the troubler of Israel? You're the one making all this, all this ruckus, all this noise. And then Elijah says, it's not me who is the troubler. It is you. It is your family. He basically told King Ahab, it was your mama. Man. He talked about his family. That's a very bold thing to do as a prophet to a king, especially a wicked king who was ruthless like Ahab. We hear about Elijah coming up against the prophets of of Baal uh, in this battle-like standoff between the false god of Baal and the true god Yahweh. Elijah is seen throughout the chapters as confident, victorious, fearless, and unafraid. And then we get to chapter 19. And a very different picture is presented here in this passage that we just read, where he doesn't look very strong anymore. He doesn't look very confident anymore. He doesn't look very courageous and fearless anymore. And, and if you notice, the Bible says that he goes away. He leaves his servant. He says, you, you stay here. I'm going to go into the wilderness because I, I just need to be alone right now. And he's by himself in the wilderness, the Bible says, with these thoughts of fear and frustration and tiredness. Some even say depression. I don't, I don't know if we know enough about Elijah to say for sure what he was going through in these moments, but we do know that Elijah was about done. He was done. He said, I'm, I'm finished. This is enough. Have you ever been done with something or with someone? I'm just done. You find yourself saying that? can't do this anymore. God, I'm, I'm done. God, I quit. And maybe you don't say it. You don't say it because when you say it, it's like so, 
It's like so final. So you don't say it, but you do it. You're not openly, you don't openly denounce it that you're done, but you just kind of stop doing what you were doing before. And so you quit relying on God like you were relying on him before because you felt like he failed you. Or you stopped going to church because you think that people failed you. You stopped doing ministry because it was hard. And, but you don't say these things out loud. You don't say I quit because you don't want people to think you're a quitter. And even when they ask you about it, well, why don't you go to church anymore? Why don't, why don't you do ministry anymore? Why don't you preach anymore? Why don't you sing anymore? Why don't you do this? You kind of give them excuses. Oh, I just got too busy. I'm just, I just haven't been able to find the time. We do all of this because we want to make it look like we're okay. We want to make it look like we're, we're fine. So we suffer by ourselves and we have these internal mind battles where it's just us and our thoughts. And sometimes we're not in a good headspace. So we get consumed in our dangerous thinking because we have no one else to help us through these thoughts. Sometimes it just becomes so exhausting to make it look like you're okay. I've been there before working so hard to just make it look like I'm okay. You know, like I said this before, when you have company, company over or someone says, hey, I'm coming over to the house, what do you do? Snap. I got I to gotta clean up a little bit, throw everything under the bed, you sweep everything under the rug, and you make it look like, yeah, this is how I live. You light a candle, this is how I live. You know? But the ugliness is, is there. You're just trying to hide it. And sometimes trying to hide the fact that you're not okay becomes exhausting. So we retract and, and, and we get away from people so that the true person can come out of hiding. I hope I'm preaching to somebody today, man. Maybe, maybe you're just trying to find some alone time so that you don't have to deal with people telling you all the time it's going to be okay. You don't have to hear another person saying, I'm praying for you. You don't have to deal with people giving you advice that you don't want to hear. I'm going to say something right now that my introverted friends might not like to hear. But we were not designed to be alone. We were not designed, designed by God to be alone. I'm an introvert. I love my alone time. Melissa makes fun of me because I enjoy going out to eat by myself at a restaurant. I like to sit and she, she calls me a loser. <laughs> I, I like it. I like going on long drives by myself. I get to think. I prefer to work out at the gym by myself. I work better alone. I feel like I'm more efficient, more productive when I'm alone. And I tell Melissa all the time, babe, I'm a pretty cool guy to hang out with. Like I, I have fun by myself. <laughs> I occasionally enjoy, you know, the, an afternoon by myself. I like my alone time. That's the introvert in me. I like my alone time, but that's the key word right there is time. Meaning there is a beginning and then there is an end. We're not meant to be alone forever. All my single people say, amen, pastor. But what I mean is, is, is that God gave us each other for a reason. God looked at Adam in the garden. He saw that he was alone. Man, that would have been interesting to see, right? Just, just a guy by himself for an indefinite amount of time. He was just there. What was he doing? I have no idea what he was doing. 
But God eventually said, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. It's not good. Even though the man might have enjoyed himself in some regard, you know, there was no one to argue with, no one to disagree with, no one to go to war with, but also no one to grow with, no one to learn from, no one to play with. Lonely. So God said, it is not good for man to be alone. So he created the woman so that the man and the woman could create more people so that we could live together. You see, we were not meant to be alone, especially in times where you're not thinking clearly. You're not in the right headspace because you don't have anyone to encourage you or speak life into you or to give you to get you back on the right track. Being alone with thoughts of anger, frustration, or hurt, they can ultimately lead to a bigger mindset that changes your whole perspective. That's why it's so important. Stop hurting alone. People can help. People can help. Your brother can help. Your sister can help. Your mom can help. Your kids can help. Your husband can help. Your wife can help. Stop hurting alone. This is why we need people, man. This is why we need, this is why we need the church. This is why we need the church. See, Elijah, if you read the whole context of the story, if you read the whole story of Elijah, Elijah wasn't just frustrated frustrated by his situation. He was also frustrated because he felt like he was alone. He felt like he was alone. And, and, And when you feel like you're alone and no one understands you, you eventually stop looking for people to relate to. That's what happens. Because you just deem yourself so unique so different. There is no one else who thinks like me. There is no one else who understands me and what I'm going through. Look at, look at, uh, verse nine of the same chapter. I don't think I have it up there, but it says, uh, then he came to a cave and he lodged in it and behold, the word of the Lord came to him. And he said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? And he said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant. They throw down your altars. They have killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left. And they speak my and they seek my life to take it away. So Elijah had spent his life doing the Lord's work and doing it proudly because he loved God. He, he was jealous for God. He desired for more people to come out of their wickedness and turn to God. And so Elijah, he just comes out of this, this, uh, this massive victory with the prophets of, of Baal, right? And, and, and he was able to show that God, our God, the Yahweh, is the one true God. No one else, none of the other gods could, could, could do what my God can do. None of, your, none of these prophets, have, I don't have anything to worry about because you're false prophets, because you're, you worship a false God. My God, I'm going to show you. And, and, and he did. There was a victory here. And so if I'm Elijah, surely I'm thinking, man, this is the moment that we needed. This is the moment that Israel finally gets their act together because they can see the God of the Bible. The God of Israel is a, is a living God. He's a God who cares. He's a God who loves. He's a God who, who is merciful and powerful. Surely they're finally going to see that now. Surely King Ahab and Queen Jezebel are going to turn from their evil and their wickedness and they're going to come back to God. 
But instead of turning to God, Queen Jezebel says, you know what? We're going to kill this prophet. Nothing happened. Nothing that he was expecting. There was no turnaround. There was no repentance. And he felt alone. And so he gets to this point in the wilderness where he's thinking, man, what is the point? I've done all of this. I've worked so hard. Why, why put in the work if there's nothing to harvest, nothing to reap? Why suffer when there are no results? Why try to reach people who don't want to be reached? What is the point? And his attitude, asking all these questions, getting into this headspace, it created a very cynical perspective from this mighty man of God. And he hits rock bottom, and now he's alone with his thoughts of, of anger and frustration and, again, cynicism, of fear. This, this message this morning is, is, is for far more people than those that are just going through depression or, 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 or sadness. I, I, I hope you get that. I'm not just talking to those who are sad or depressed. You're included. But... I'm talking to the people who have begun the process of producing something contaminated as a result of their contaminated thinking. Meaning, you, you're not producing the best version of yourself. You're not producing the best of what God knows that you can be because you're not in the best headspace. So maybe it's not that you're sad all the time. Maybe it's that you're mad all the time. Maybe you're always stressing out about something. No one can give you a task because you're going to lose it. Maybe over the recent months, watching the news, you, you've just become so pessimistic. After spending so much time on social media, you just you think, man, people are just the worst. What's the point of arguing with them? You know what I've noticed recently? I've noticed that... Hold on, let me take a sip of my water before I offend people. Hold on. I've noticed that Everybody's mad about something, man. People are just angry right now. People are just angry. I have to walk on eggshells. Can't say a thing. Someone's going to get mad. They're mad about politics. Mad about coronavirus. They're mad about the economy. They're mad about having to wear face masks. They're mad about the people who are mad about having to wear face masks. I mean, we're mad about everything. Everything. And I get it. There's, there's plenty to be mad about. But do you really want to be mad all the time? I'm, I'm talking to the church. I'm talking, I'm talking to Christians. Do you really want to be mad all the time? And I know that sounds like a silly question. And I know you're probably saying, no, pastor, I don't want to be mad all the time. Duh. But people are making me mad. Nope. Nope. You're wrong. You are wrong. Who controls your anger? You do. You control your anger. God gave us self-control. There me, that means there is, a, there is a volume knob on the, the amount of anger output that we want to give. That's what self-control is. I can control it. That's what God gave you. Other people can stimulate your anger, but you get to control how much you release. I used to tell my dad all the time, when I bite my tongue, this blister in my mouth hurts. So he said, stop biting your tongue. Genius. You know? why, are you, why are you doing that for? You know it's going to hurt. 
Stop doing it. So if you know that you can't handle something emotionally very well, don't put yourself in positions that receive those emotional stimulants. Just don't do it. Because whatever you consume a lot of, you will begin to notice similarities between your consumption and your production. Whatever you consume, you're going to begin to produce. Whatever you ingest, you're going to begin to digest. So if, if you consume what's meant to produce fear, you will begin to produce fear. Right? That's why I don't like watching the news, man. I can read three articles, and all of a sudden, I'm the most cynical, pessimistic, fearful, angry person I know. Because everything I just consumed told me that the sky is falling and is going to continue falling to the day that I die. And, and, and you know what? The church is consuming way more news right now than it is word. Way more. So, 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 so this, this is the part where I have to encourage you to get in the right headspace. Because everything that is, is trying to, to catch our attention is garbage, man. It just is. Don't fill your mind with what's naturally going to bring you down. Don't, don't fill it with fear and worst case scenarios. Well, what, is if the, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this happens? Don't, don't think about the things that naturally make you stress out because then what? You're going to get stressed out. Instead, just deal with it when it comes and be more consumed with the truth of the word of God. I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody this morning, but man. Yeah. I saw a headline the other day that said something like, why you should be very, very afraid of these COVID-19 surges. I had to cancel that with 2 Timothy 1.17. That God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power. I remember having anxiety attacks years ago where I couldn't, I'd have these moments where I couldn't breathe. I don't, I don't know what it was, but I knew that it was anxiety. I, I just knew it because when I wouldn't think about it, I would breathe just fine. I would go to the gym. I would run on the treadmill. I, my, my breathing was fine. But when I would think about it, I would have these these anxiety attacks. And one night it got really, really bad. I, I, uh, I got out of the bed because uh, I, was, I was trying to fall asleep and I just couldn't breathe. And I put my hands on my knee. I couldn't breathe. I felt like I was going to pass out. But I knew, I knew that it was an anxiety attack. So I turned my Bible. Man, sometimes you just got to turn up your Bible, man. Sometimes you got to open it. Because you know what there is there? There is word. There is something for your situation in any given moment. That it's there if you just know it. That's why I preached last week. You got to know your word. You got to understand your word. I remember opening my Bible to 1 Peter 5, 7, which says, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. And I, I promise immediately after that, I was able to breathe again and I fell asleep. I love what Betty Guillen a couple weeks ago when everyone of her, every single one of her family members got COVID-19. They were hospitalized. I mean, she was freaking out, man. And she posts something to Facebook. She says, I need scriptures, please. I need scriptures. Right away, Psalm 33, 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. My mom uh, said, I say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him, I will trust. Pastor Marisa said, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. There are about 30 more comments like that. Why? Because 
there is a battle that happens in your mind where the enemy wants to steal your joy. He wants to steal your hope. He wants to steal your healing and, and, and your self-worth. But there is a word of God that has already been spoken that gives us the victory even when we cannot see it. You just have to get in the right headspace, church. You have to consume truth. Consume truth. Elijah had this moment where his thoughts, they, they began to reflect his perception. And, and praise God, Elijah was able to get out of it because even though he was alone, he continued to speak to God in his alone time. A lot of times we seek solitude and that includes solitude away from God as well. That is the most dangerous place we can be, church. Elijah was able to go to God and God was able to see him through his darkness. <clears throat> A lot of times when we're alone, we're just we're we're alone alone. We escape people, we escape God. And we begin to consume more of what feeds our you know our, our perspective. That makes sense like like whatever mindset we have, we continue to feed that mindset which shifts our perspective. And if our headspace is in a dangerous place, that can lead to a very ugly and unhealthy perspective on life. I want to remind you of this passage right here, Philippians 4, 6 through 9. With this, I'm, I'm going to close. But church, I, I really encourage you to consume the word of God, consume the truth that exists in these 66 books that God gave us. Philippians 4, 6 says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So right off the bat, he says, in everything, be thankful. In every situation, go to God and say, God, thank you. Thank you because I'm, I have the ability to speak to you even if I'm in the worst situation. Thank you because I have you. Thank you. Verse 7 says, And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding. It means you're not going to understand it. Because when the world is in chaos, you're going to be at peace and it's not even going to make sense to you. The peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. One of my favorite verses is found right here in, in verses 8. It says, finally, brothers, whatever is true. You can stop it right there. Whatever is true. Whatever is honorable. Whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Set your minds on those things. Verse 9 says, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things in the God of peace will be with you. 
Church, this is the formula for the right headspace. This is it. We cannot have a church that is angry all the time. Can't have a church that is without joy all the time. Can't have a church that is anxious all the time, that lives in fear all the time. Let the God of peace fill your life. Now this morning, I want to pray a special prayer for anyone who is dealing with negative thoughts about themselves. If there's anyone in our church, I'm going to ask you to stand. If you're in here, let's stand. I want us to pray this out together. And if you're watching online, I want, I want us to just join together because there are people right now who maybe... Maybe they're past that point. Maybe they're at the point where they're just alone and they're just seeking solitude, even away from God. My God, we're going to come to you in prayer because we know that there is hope, Lord. And if you're suffering this morning, and if you're just tired of just being mad all the time, if you're just tired of, of not living in peace, all the time, if you're tired of just being tired all the time, if you're tired of being sick all the time, if you're tired of, of being sad and down all the time, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Because there is a God, there is a God, there is a giver of peace, there is a giver of hope, there is a giver of love when you feel like you don't have it. There is a giver of value. He has assigned value to you simply by creating you. And I want you to hear these words this morning. God has not given up on you. God loves you. God wants to strengthen you. He is our strength when we are weak. He is our refuge when we have nowhere else to find shelter. you to pray this prayer with me heavenly father first of all thank you thank you because you're there thank you because you're present thank you because you hear me in this moment i can reach the depths of the earth where no man can go and there you will be there you will hear me. And even when I have no voice, my God, because I am, I'm, I'm so tired and I'm so frail, where I can't even speak, even then you hear me. I thank you. And now I pray, Lord, for those that are, that are in, a, in a bad headspace this morning. I pray, my God, for, for, for those of us, my Lord, who who may have consumed a little bit too much of, of something that has not produced anything that is good. I pray, my God, from this moment on, Lord, we rest on your word. I pray from this moment on, my God, that we spend time getting to know you because the more we know you, my God, the, the better we be at being us. I pray, my God, for every person that is suffering right now in their lowest moment. I pray, my God, that you just whisper 
whisper in their ear, Lord, that they are, they are loved. They're important, my God. I pray, my God, that if there's anyone in our church, my God, dealing with depression, if there's anyone in our church dealing with, with thoughts of suicide, my God, and hopelessness, Lord, I pray, my God, that, that, that you cancel it. In Jesus' name, my God, your word says whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. We bind it. We cancel it. We cancel the things that are not of you, my God, and the people who are living for you, my God. Your children, your children, we should never see hopelessness, my God, because we know that there is hope in you. And in Jesus' name right now, I pray, Father God, that you just instill hope right now. Peace, my God. Strength, my God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Come on, someone pray with me. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. I might not know the name of the person that is suffering, but I know that there is someone, my God. And in Jesus' name, I pray, my God, that your hope, your joy be stronger and louder than their darkness, my God. I pray that you light up the darkness in Jesus' name right now, my God. Right now, that we may set our minds upon you, Jesus. And upon your word, my God. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Church, I encourage you, get in the right headspace, man. Get in the right headspace. Stop consuming contaminants. Stop consuming what does not produce goodness in you. We thank you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.